0: Welcome to Today on Broadway for Tuesday, October 24th, 2023. I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Tiemannini.
1: And I'm Tell Me on a Sunday podcast, Grace Aki.
0: Grace, that means today, October 24th, clearly not Monday, October 23rd by any stretch of the imagination, but definitely October 24th. We are one week away from Halloween. I believe you've told me something about your Halloween costume. Are you able to share any details about that or is it going to be a big reveal at some point? I don't remember any of the details.
1: Well, uh, wait, what is what is it? I, I don't, don't remember. I don't
0: know. <laughs> I thought, I think you told me at one point what you were doing for Halloween, but maybe it was a joke? I, I don't know. I guess not. This didn't go as planned. Oh,
1: my God. I really wish. I really wish. Okay. A lot has happened in the past month, Matt. I'm sorry. I
0: know. All right. Well, let's do something else. Okay. Here we go. So... Grace, we are a week from Halloween. Mm -hmm. If people are looking for last minute musical theater related Halloween costumes, off the top of your head, I did not prep you for this, but give me the best idea or ideas that people can do cheaply and easily, but are very clearly musical theater characters that they can be for Halloween.
1: Ooh, I'll tell you what I was last year. I was an upcoming shows NDA. And I had an NDA taped to my shirt. So if there's any non-disclosure agreements that you are also being held by, or if you want to be, you know, I know secrets about the upcoming Broadway season, but shh, can't tell you. I think that that's always fun and topical. No, I think that also I have this little like Maxwell House, like tin that I've been waiting to use to put my cat in for her to be Audrey too. So um, well, that's an easy that's costume. It.
0: That's it, we recorded a bit earlier, but we couldn't remember what it was. You told me you were gonna be Audrey for Halloween, did you not?
1: I did say that a month ago, and then time happened, and then I have not been able to do this photo shoot, Um, but it is still my favorite idea in the world that I must do before it's totally aged out, which probably won't happen for another 20 years, so.
0: you've got time, like Ellen Green played that role for a long time. Um, yeah. so do you go like full leather skirt leopard print top and like arm in a sling like what version of Audrey do you go with
1: no I, I go with act 2 Audrey is okay but about to be fed to the plant um, I have oh. like a nightgown and it's fine oh the
0: Somonex costume yeah
1: yeah like i don't want to be actually um triggered battered in like a costume
0: i think that like
1: right um but i think that there's i i feel like little shop is is the number one in my mind go-to if i were asking anybody else in my life they would want to do rocky horror i think rocky horror is also any character in rocky horror um is is the perfect like musical theater halloween thing
0: yeah that's also though wearing like nighttime undergarments you know so there's a theme here between you and the people in your lives it sounds like
1: sexy broadway baby whatever happened (laughs) to it bring it back make broadway sexy again
0: there you go why don't you let us all know what musical theater or just theater in general related costumes you are dressing up for for halloween you can hit us up on social media we would love to hear and see your pictures from that of course if you want to follow along To all of our craziness, head over to patreon.com slash broadwayradio, broadwayradio.com slash Patreon. All right, Grace, I'm going to hit the big news, and then we're going to dive into the Here We Are reviews. But up first, we have to talk about the fact that yesterday it was confirmed that Eddie Redmayne will return to the role for which he won an Olivier Award, and he will play the MC in the Broadway production of Cabaret, which will begin performances on April 1st. No fool in there. For real, at April 1st at the August Wilson Theater, they will have their opening night celebration on April 20th, and then the reviews will come out on April 21st. What is exciting about this is they also announced who will be playing Sally Bowles, and it is a star of both stage and screen, Gail Rankin. And what is fun about this is that Gail Rankin played Fräulein, Kost, and Fritzy in the last Broadway revival. Of Cabaret. So very exciting that she has returned to the show. She went off and she was a star of of the TV show Glow on Netflix, where she played a professional wrestler. She's also been on Perry Mason. She was in The Greatest Showman. She's done a ton of things since the time she did. Cabaret Last, but very exciting that she's returning to this role. And what I thought was interesting is that normally they don't do this, Grace, but they said specifically that they are both on limited engagements through August 31st. So that is just, what, five, six months. So they're going to do that at the August Wilson Theater, and then presumably other people will come in to replace them. They also announced that after the Tony Awards, beginning on June 17th, Eddie will not do Monday evening shows and Gail will not do Wednesday matinees. So at some point, presumably when they announce the rest of the cast, we will get alternates for both of these roles who will do those performances. Grace, I know you saw this production, obviously not with, with Eddie, but this is one of those things where, and I want to talk about the configuration of the August Wilson Theater here in a second, but like this is a very different take on Cabaret, both in the material. And then also in this setting, and I wonder how much you can speak to that having seen it over in London.
1: Yeah, I, I thought what was fascinating about seeing the show in London was that it was I feel like everyone and please do not roll your eyes. I think everyone thinks that they have an immersive production when they say it's immersive. I think that everyone thinks that they are creating something brand new. And sometimes they're not, but they need it to feel brand new. This did feel new. Um, this did feel really a inno- Like there felt like innovation. It felt like a different experience. It felt like I have felt in very scary clubs in a good way. Like <laughs> I, I felt, you know what I mean? Like I actually felt like it was different. It, It wasn't the guise of being different. It was actually different. And that was really cool. And it was sultry and it was, but it was still very elevated. I think that New York audiences especially are going to appreciate it because through things like Sleep No More, even like as down to like omakase dinners or, you know, going upstate to like Blue Hill, I think that there is just a level of elevation that people are looking for to do the different thing. And if they do love Broadway and if they do love musical theater, but they also love a really elevated experience, that's what it felt like. Like it really felt like something different. This did not feel like something that I would like rush in jeans on a Wednesday, even though all theater should be accessible. So I don't want to be, you know, contradictory to how I always, you know, I, I, I do like to speak to the fact that like theater should be accessible. But this was different in that way. And I think that like providing a ton of different types of experiences is something we should be priding ourselves on and not one type of theatrical moment. So if that's helpful at all, I hope, <laughs> but there's there's that.
0: So tickets will go on sale first to American Express card members on uh, tomorrow, uh, Wednesday, October 25th. Priority mailing list presale begins on November 1st. ATG and SeatGeek uh, Ambassador Theater Group and SeatGeek presale sale will, will come a little bit later in the day on November 1st. And then public on sale begins November 2nd. So when you go to the website, you obviously can't purchase tickets yet, but you can see a seating chart. And Grace, I honestly cannot make heads or tails of what is going on with this seating chart. Well, one, here's, here's what you can figure out. It looks like the playing space is in the center of the theater is is just smack dab in the middle of the August Wilson Orchestra. There are seats literally on all four sides, and there also appears to be a mezzanine on both sides as well, presumably where the stage would be and then also where the traditional mezzanine is so we we've we've talked about from the very beginning about how expensive this facelift is going to be to the august wilson theater which is presumably why there is not a show announced as of yet who knows what could happen for the august wilson this fall but like i'm having trouble just envisioning where is this extra mezzanine coming from or am i just completely misreading this have you looked at the seating chart do you know what i'm talking about this is weird right
1: I can see it. It it actually looks like it mirrors the London one. So it would not surprise me if they are mirroring those plans, but I'm not sure.
0: Did they build an extra mezzanine from the stage side?
1: Uh like the stage was in the dead center of the house and then there were two mezzes.
0: Okay. I don't know. It's weird. Like I, I'm, I'm sure it's much simpler. I'm just not a visual person like this to like to see the plans. But like I tried to compare it to a traditional seating chart for the August Wilson Theater, and I could not make heads or tails of it. But it is fascinating and very interesting. Uh, and the last thing, Grace, is I often think about this being Sally Bowles' show, and the MC being like a really big featured role. That, from what I understand, and we've, when we read the reviews when it first opened in, in London, that does not seem to be the case here. This feels like, from everything I understand about the show, this is the MC's show.
1: Yeah, it's definitely the MC's show. I mean, I don't want to speak for whatever happens with this New York production, but that's how I felt in London. And it would not surprise me if, given Eddie Redmayne's return, that it continues to be that. I know that one or two songs, at least, that I think were cliffs were given to the MC. And so mm-hmm. it, it, there was just so much gravitas. Like, you were waiting for the MC to come back. Not like, you know, in past where you've been like, oh, sprinkled in a few times here and there. I felt like the MC was the vehicle. And then we were watching also some of the story through the eyes of this woman, Sally Bowles. So I, I think it's still going to happen this time.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Maybe next time.
0: Oh, well done. Uh, All right. So
1: let's talk.
0: (laughs) No, that was great. We love musical theater puns here at Broadway Radio. All right, so let's dive into these reviews from here we are. On yesterday's show, we told you like we weren't going to wait for the reviews because there was no real idea as to when they were going to come out. And to be honest with you, I did not see a single review until Monday morning, so that bore out well. Similarly, we talked about the fact that Great Gatsby opened on Sunday. I have still, to this moment that we are recording, not seen a single Gatsby review, which I'm a little surprised about. So uh, I guess we will wait on those, and once we get enough of them out, we will talk about them. But here we are, the final musical by Steven Sondheim. It features a book by David Ives and is directed by Joe Mantello. Has an absolutely ridiculous cast of stars in it with Francois Batiste, Tracy Bennett, Bobby Cannavale, Michaela Diamond, Amber Gray, Jin Ha, Rachel Bay Jones, Dennis O'Hare, Stephen Pasquale, David Hyde Pierce, and Jeremy Shamos. And it is currently scheduled to run through January 21st. The reviews are out and full caveat, when I saw it, and I said it on my uh, log episode, I had no idea what to do with this show. And I still don't. I mean, it, that hasn't changed. I admitted that I was, Grace, not in the best headspace for the show because I was flat exhausted. I was tired, so my brain was not necessarily fully focused all the time. And that has to be the case because there were almost no negative reviews. It was almost all all positive, uniformly so. Some of that might be genuflecting at the altar of Sondheim, I think. But these reviews, and especially from the people that I respect the most, were very, very positive. So I thought, what did I miss? Was, was I just completely out of it and I didn't get it? So I went ahead and bought a ticket to see it again. So I'm gonna go back and see it uh, when I'm in town in a couple weeks because I feel like, I should give it a fair shake because I don't think I did, not consciously, but because I was not with it, I didn't give it a fair shake. So I want to see it with fresh eyes. So I'm going to see it again in a couple of weeks. But these reviews, Grace, were all very, very positive. We'll start with Jesse Green of The New York Times, who did make the show a critic's pick. He said, quote, the best good news about Here We Are, the combo platter boon musical that opened on Saturday, The Shed nearly two years after Sondheim's death in November 2021, is that it justifies the idea of merging these two works and succeeds in making a surrealist musical expressive. In Joe Mantello's breathtakingly chic and shapely production, with a cast of Can You Top This? Broadway treasures, it is never less than a pleasure to watch as it confidently polishes and embraces its illogic. Musically, it's fully if a little skimpily, Sondheim, and entirely worthy of his catalog. That it is also a bit cold, only occasionally moving in the way that Song would ideally allow, may speak to the reason he had so much trouble writing it. My favorite and kind of like my barometer if I should really trust critics is Sarah Holdren uh, writing for Vulture, and she said, quote, Here we are as torn between its reasonable desire to obliterate its characters and its aspiration, if not quite to save them, but to remain open-eyed as to where they, and we, go from here. If it's sometimes a muddled impulse, it's also a humane one. Sondheim certainly didn't go into the apocalypse of late capitalism, but he didn't go heartless either. He stayed complicated. He gave us more to see." Peter Marks was probably the most negative uh, writing for the Washington Post, and he said, quote, we've been through sharper existential crises with convergences of Sondheim characters over the years. The painted figures stuck forever together on the Surat canvas in Sunday in the Park with George, the fairy tale denizens wandering bewildered in the forest and into the woods. We're consoled and here we are with one more chance to gather together with Sondheim to hear his irreplaceable voice on a stage. The resulting evening might not be stranded at square one, which was the previous name of the show, but it doesn't satisfactorily cross the finish line either. Adam Feldman of Time Out New York gave the show 4 out of 5 stars. It was positive he praised the design quite a bit. Naveen Kumar finally for Variety said, quote, Here we are delights in the flavor of its vapid jet sets, but ultimately spits them out in a resolution that betrays its own internal logic. It's too much and robs the show of its potential teeth. Better to know when the feast is done. So, Mostly positive. I threw in some of the negative ones to give some balance to that. But you can read the full set of reviews in the show notes. Grace, there are tickets available. They aren't necessarily cheap tickets, but there are some tickets that aren't too, too expensive. So for people who haven't had a chance to see it, you can in every show that I saw during or like when I went to buy tickets, every performance that I looked at for when I'm going to be in town, had tickets at the lowest possible price point. Um, you can get those either in the back of the of the front of the stage because it is a three-quarter thrust or on the sides. You can get pretty actually close tickets on the sides, which is what I did for both of the times seeing it. So it's complicated. I have no idea what we are doing um, in this show, but I'm excited to kind of go back and try to figure it out a second time. All right, let's move on to some show and casting news. And this is one that came out last Friday and somehow it slipped through the cracks for yesterday's show. So I apologize about that. But Emmy nominee Elle Fanning is going to make her Broadway debut later this season in Brandon Jacobs Jenkins' Appropriate, which is set to begin performances on November 28th at the Helen Hayes Theater. it's going to have an opening night of December 18th. She will join the previously announced cast of Sarah Paulson, Corey Stoll, Natalie Gold, and Alyssa Emily Marvin. There will be additional casting to be announced to this show directed by Lila Neugebauer. And then, and something that I expected and I think actually talked about here, the new Broadway cast of six was announced. They will be taking over the roles on December 5th. And this new cast is the old tour cast the entire original cast of the Aragon Tour? Kayla Wilcoxen, Storm Lever, Jasmine Forsberg, Olivia Donaldson, Didi Romero, and Gabriella Carrillo will take over the roles that they originated in the first national tour of six. They'll be joined by Universal alternate Wesley Carpenter and Sierra Furman as well. Like I said, I have tickets to see it on December fifth. I already had hotels and flights for then, and then when they announced this change, I said, "Grace." I saw the very first preview with the original cast. I saw the first performance of six cast 2.0. So I I had to get a ticket to see the third group. And it just so happened that it includes many, many people that I love. And the cast that you and I saw before they were even announced altogether at 54 Below, like two years ago now.
1: Literally never forget. Um, I'm really excited. I think it's a really cool move and it's a really good feel feel good moment of like some people are making their Broadway debut some people are returning like I think that it's a really smart way to keep everybody connected and making the the opportunities out there for the people that are associated because that hardly ever happens where you're doing a tour and then the show is still running so that you can return to it um, and especially to be on Broadway so yeah it's really cool it's really exciting of course we want to go
0: I think it's really really smart of six the producers to just replace all six leads together. They didn't do that at first because you remember there was, you know, Anna Zuli left first, I think. And then, you know, people kind of went in and out and they brought a few people in, including Joy Woods. But then everybody left and they brought in a completely new team with 2.0. And now they're doing it with 3.0, which I think is really the smart way to do it. And I think that's pretty much how they've done it overseas as well. But I think that's a really good move. It sticks with the themes of the show, but also creates an excitement and like, People want to go back now that they know there's an entirely new cast. They want to go see this group together. When you do it piecemeal, it's like, okay, I want to go see them, but like, I don't know if it's worth it going to see one person. But to see a whole new group of six people, I think is really, really smart. All right, um, real quick, I want to let you all know about a new industry presentation coming up because. we're talking about these quite a bit right now. This is being called a pre-Broadway industry presentation of the new bio-musical The Wanderer. It had its world premiere at the Paper Mill Playhouse back in 2022. It features a book by Charles Messina and features the life story and the music of Dion DeMucci. And it features many of the stars that did the show in New Jersey, Mike Wartella, Joey McIntyre, and Christy Altamar. Also joining them will be the aforementioned Joy Woods, along with noah weisberg and lance roberts i heard fairly good things about it when it was uh, out of town and I, I know that they've been wanting to come to broadway for quite a while so we will see what happens all right and finally my recommendations here the first one is an article by naveen kumar who i quoted in the uh, review roundup he wrote an article for broadway news about all of the changing curtain times on broadway and why this is happening talking about the differences between trying to get people who are who are New York City locals and work in the city versus getting tourists and people from the bridge and tunnel crowd so that's very exciting and then finally this comes from NPR's morning edition it's a nice little segment about here we are and what I think is really it's good to get like the background of the show but what I think is best about it is is that it actually does play some of the music from the show so if you have not had a chance to get to the shed to see it or you are kind of just trying to decide if it's worth it this will give you a little bit of idea as to what the show sounds like all right everybody that is all that we have for today thanks for listening to today on Broadway follow us on Facebook Twitter and Instagram at broader radio you can follow me pretty much anywhere else at BWW Matt Grace where can people find you
1: you can find me at it's Grace Aki all
0: right everybody have a wonderful Tuesday we'll be back to talk to you tomorrow